Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. The title of the message today is The Journey of Worship. The Journey of Worship. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Verse 3. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, verse 6, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. Verse 9. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Verse 11. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gold, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Lord, help as we study your word. Three things on this passage about which I'd like to speak. One, the journey to worship. Two, genuflect, genuflect in reverence. And three, gems to present. By the, word, by the way, genuflect means to bend your knee. Sometimes you have to work at alliteration to get the right words. <laughs> These magi are outstanding human beings. I admire their commitment. They inspire me to be better, to love God more, to not consider the inconvenience of what life offers in terms of circumstance, anything to be complained about, but to make the journey to do whatever God wants me to do, to see him, to worship him, and to be happy that I have been inconvenienced with the privilege of doing so. These magi were in the east. The east did not mean right across the River Jordan. The east meant a long way away, like 800 miles away. We believe they came from the region of Babylon and that they were inspired because they were astrologers. Men who looked at the stars and tried to figure out their life as it was told in the heavens. That is not the way, by the way, that you need to figure out anything. I don't know why I don't get a lot of amens on that point. <laughs> Many of you like your horoscopes. May I beg you to stop. Many of you like to be defined by a certain sign. May I beg you to use the sign of the cross. May I beg you. There is only one human being that can legitimately define himself by a star, and he doesn't. He doesn't. You don't hear him talking about it at all, ever, in his ministry. Never does he say, I am the one who was announced by a star. Yet we talk about our stars all the time. 
our horoscope. H-O-R-O-R-R. Horror. Scary. Scary, scary, scary. Scary. I, I, I digress. They looked at the stars to try to figure stuff out. And they saw this new one. Now, I imagine many people were looking at the stars. Uh, it's hard for us to do it today in suburbia or downtown because so many lights obscure the heavens for us. But if you're in the country, it's like, wow, look at all those things in the sky. I didn't know they were there. And back then, they had no streetlights. So it was a starry night. Every night, there weren't clouds. And... Because it was so routine and that the earth does what it does with rhythm, you can tell when a new one presents itself. And you would have thought that the Israelites would have been the first ones to figure this out. They had wise men. They had scribes. They had chief priests. They had the scriptures. And nobody in Israel figured it out. They just looked up in the sky and thought, huh, that's pretty. And went back to what they were doing. These wise men inspire, inspire me. Because when something new and unusual appears, something that hasn't been, though the heavens have been for, for as long as the earth has been, and something new appears, these men said, we got to figure this out. We're not quite sure what this is, but we cannot let this go. They begin to search their materials, I suppose. We don't have all the background story. I'd love to help Hollywood write a script on this one here. I've seen the three wise men before, and it can be done better. They began to search their books and texts and scriptures, and they couldn't find anything that would announce a brand new star. Why? Because only God can do that. Only God can produce it. And there was something by a man named Balaam that was announced back in Numbers 22 and 23 as he was looking over the people of Israel and was paid by another kingdom to prophesy badly, curse them. And he could not do it because God loved his people. And Balaam began to say good things instead of bad things. And one thing he said was, a star will appear in Judah, and a scepter will come for his rulership. Hmm. The Israelites should have known this, but they did not. These wise men seems, it seems that they had the scriptures. Now, 800 miles is a long way. How did they get an Old Testament? Hmm. Oh, somewhere around five, six hundred years earlier, the Israelites were taken captive by Babylon. No longer could they worship in their temple the way they were supposed to. They couldn't sacrifice. They couldn't offer. They couldn't do anything. They were now displaced people. And as a result of being displaced, they couldn't do their regular thing. And so they had to figure out a new way to worship God. And they created these things that we see in the New Testament that weren't in the old called synagogues. Places of teaching and learning. Where the scriptures could be read and the Israelites could come and fellowship together. And hear the scriptures being read. That's all they could do. Because they were only allowed to, to sacrifice in Jerusalem. And these synagogues were set up every place the Israelites were. Well, Babylon was not the Israelites' home. Even though they were taken captive by Babylon for a period of time, Jerusalem destroyed, these people taken captive for about 70 years. Some people went back after the 70-year period, but others stayed. And 
the, the sanctuaries, I mean, the synagogues, stayed as well. And some began to consider this the primary way that they would do their version of church in the Old Testament, which meant that many of the scriptures were now a part of the Babylonian culture. And as a result, as these men, we think, began to search where did that star come from and how has it been announced, they finally wind up looking at a Torah. And they see in, in numbers, huh, this man prophesied that this would be the king of Israel? Oh, he knows my star, we got it. Now it took him a while. The star appeared when Jesus was born. But we know that the, the, the Magi, when they, by the time they came to Jerusalem, uh, we know that, that Jesus was probably about two years old. So it had been two years since the star appeared. Why do we know that? Because when, when Herod asked for the time that the star appeared, after the Magi did not return, but went home, because Herod had an ulterior motive, he wanted to kill Christ rather than worship him. Herod says... Okay, I want everybody who's going to, Jerusalem, going to Bethlehem, I want you to go and kill every child that is two years old and under that's a male. So we know that the Magi arrived somewhere around when Jesus was a toddler. That's a wild thought. Jesus running around in a diaper. I mean, like, did, did you have to tell him not to play with the outlets? You get my point. This was an unusual human being. But the Magi were people that found these scriptures, we believe, and then headed to Jerusalem once they found them. It took them a while. And as they determined what they were to do, <laughs> these were men of nobility. They, they were, we believe, wise. If you read Daniel, you'll see that the wise men were a lot like him that Daniel was a part of a cohort of people that lived in the, the nobility and in the courts of the king, giving him wisdom about what ought to be done. Literally, hear me, his cabinet. But it's not a democracy. So anybody who's in a monarch's cabinet usually has a lot of power and a lot of money. They are rulers of little areas themselves. And we think that that's what these magi were minimally. They could have been actually rulers. My point is, when they see a star announcing a king in another nation, they have a vested interest, number one, of trying to figure out how can we be friends with these people who had the heavens announce their king. We've had kings and they were good and powerful, but none like this. They were bringing tribute to try to figure out how in the world they can make peace with the king that the heavens had announced. And when you talk about tribute, talk to the queen of Sheba. She came to Solomon, wisest man on the earth. No one wiser but Christ after him. Wisest man in history. He was so wise that this woman said, I got to go hear what this man has to say. And when she came, she brought, just to say hello, 100 talents of gold. A talent was 100 pounds of anything. Is your brain working? 
100, 100 pounds of gold. Right now, gold's about $1,800 an ounce. I don't know what it was back then, but it wasn't cheap. The Queen of Sheba brought somewhere in the neighborhood of about $8 billion just to say hello. What is worthy of a king who is announced by a star? My point is, they came to say, we honor you, and we don't want you to get us. Because you got power that none of the kings of the earth have. When the heavens announce you, like, wow. So when they come bringing frankincense and gold and myrrh, it is to worship, but it's also to say, can we make a deal? And when they come, they're about 800 miles away. You talk about a journey to worship. <laughs> and we complain about getting up in the morning and going to church. We're, we're dissatisfied that church sometimes... We're, we're, we, I, I, Pastor, I live in Woodbridge. It's a long drive to come to you. I got to find a church where I am. I ain't mad at you. I'm just saying that ain't a good excuse. Pastor once said to me, a church live is worth the drive. Yeah, it's catchy. <laughs> we complain about the difficulties that we have going down the street to worship. These men intentionally, without having to, decided to go 800 miles in order to do what we find hard to do on a Sunday morning down the street. I'm deeply convicted every time I read about these guys. And it wasn't even their king. It was another nation's king. And they had an entourage. I mean, when you travel, when you are like these men, when you travel, you don't travel by yourself. You don't get in your VW bug and just drive down the street. You bring an entourage with you. There could have been 40 or 50 camels loaded with stuff and the servants necessary to provide all the food and, 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 and the, the, the different levels of clothing and wardrobe and, and, and people, guards, to, to make sure they weren't raided on the way. There could have been 200 people in this group of people called the three wise men that were traveling with them to provide and protect. Impressive. The effort that they took to come and worship a king they did not know is convicting to me. And in this holiday season, all I want to do is do what they did minimally. Get on my face when I come in the house. Get on my face. It says that when they got to the area of, of Israel, the star disappeared. It just went away. <laughs> That's really a sad thing. Let me tell you why it's sad on two levels. One, they didn't know where to go. Two, the only way the people of Israel were going to know that their king was born is if these people came to Jerusalem and announced it. God's own people didn't have a clue. The only way they knew was that people who were not Israelites showed up and said, we've come to worship the king. Now, why did they show up in Jerusalem? Because if a king is to be born, surely it has to be in the capital city. And God had the star disappear that would have appeared over Bethlehem immediately so that he could tell his own people from people that weren't his people. A huge rebuke that they didn't know, but these guys did. 
I beg you, don't let the world outdo you with your understanding of God's will. Please read your Bible every day. Search the scriptures to find out what God wants you to do so you can obey him at a high level. Live optimally, not mediocrely. It's not even a word, but it works. <laughs> Star disappears, they show up. We've come to worship him who is king of the Jews. Herod says, who? You mean me. <laughs> you mean me, right? No, 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 no. Somebody was born, and, and we've come to worship him. Herod says, oh. Gets his counselors together, chief priests and scribes, says, what about this? Where is he supposed to be born? The Messiah? What, 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 what? Oh, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Oh. And he gets, the Magi says, listen, y'all go worship. And then when you finish, come back and tell me. Because I want to do what you did. I want to give my homage. They say, okay, no problem. And then they know now, meaning all of Jerusalem, that the Messiah has been born and God wanted to prime the pump so that they could be ready when he came into his ministry. They could receive him well, which would be 30 years later. This is why everybody looked at John the Baptist when John was preaching and said, are you the guy? Why? Because John was six months born earlier, born six months earlier than Jesus, right about the age of 30. And 30 was a time when a man would come into his fullness of business or ministry. And, and so they looked at John the Baptist and, and they began to configure. Wait a minute. He's about, to, are you the one? He said, no, 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 no. Ah, I, I can preach. But somebody who's coming after me, I'm not even worthy to untie the boy's sandals. He's so great. I can't tie his shoes. I can't carry his bag. He's, you think I'm bad? He's a bad man. He's a real bad man. John was doing everything he possibly could to try to deflect what people thought he was. Why? Because the 30-year period had, had come upon them. God was priming the pump, and the wise men were the only ones to give the information to the Jews. The star reappears afterwards, and it reappears over the house. <laughs> now, I don't understand this. I don't get it. I can see, the I can see a few stars. Venus is the brightest star in the sky. Now, it's not really a star. It's a planet. It's part of our solar system. But we call it a star because it looks shiny and glittery. But we can see it because the sun, the sun, reflects its light off that and comes through our atmosphere and it looks all shiny and glittery. Can't see many other stars from my neighborhood because of the lights. But Venus is as much over your house as it is my house. Nobody would think that Venus was over my house and not your house. It's too high in the sky. In fact, it's as much over the entire Western Hemisphere as it is over my house. So how in the world do you put a star over a house whereby it distinguishes itself from every other house? I don't know, but it happened. And it was so amazing that the wise men said, wow! It says they were exceedingly glad, not just glad. It was like they began to dance a soul train line happy. They were out of their minds. Woo! Look, it's right over there. I don't know how that happens, but it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And they start trekking to Bethlehem. It's now, Bethlehem is fairly close to, to uh, Jerusalem. You can make it there in a day. If you're really pushing, you know, a few hours, several hours. And so they start going, and, and, and they see this, this star, and it's over a house. 
Now, I want to lay, lay this out to you. I'm not going to be long, but you need to know this. That Joseph and Mary had left their, 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 the area in which they lived all their lives. And Joseph was, was a pretty good carpenter slash construction guy. I mean, he could build houses too. That's what the word, when we translate a carpenter in the Greek, means. It doesn't just mean woodworker. It means construction guy, architect. Somebody could actually build a house. He was really good. And he had earned enough money to be able to secure Mary's hand in marriage. He paid a bride price. He had to pay that to her father. And generally speaking, a man would work a very long time in order to do that. It cost a lot because it was supposed to be representative of how much, how much money, how much it took to raise the child and what you would lose by not having her in your household anymore. It could be tens of thousands of dollars. Blue-collar worker, work a long time. Joseph was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 or 35. Mary was 15. That was normal in those days to have that kind of disparity. We would look at it and say, oh, never, so bad, you child molester, you. We would call him all kinds of things. But back then it was normal. It was normal. But he, he, had, a, he, had, a, he had a problem. He, he emptied his bank account. And now he was called to go all the way from his home where he had a good business down to Bethlehem. And his wife was going to give birth there. He knew that. Caesar said, I want you to go on. And I got the census. You got to go to the town of your registry. And so they had to go now. And they were the last ones there probably. And that's why there was no place for them to stay. Secondly, it was Joseph's registry, not Mary's. And probably his family didn't respect him for taking Mary as his wife because nobody believed that the baby in her womb was actually God's. Nobody. And so they were looking at him, his family, looking at him thinking, uh-uh, you're not staying here because hospitality is huge in the Middle East, y'all. It is huge, huge. You don't let anybody stay on the street. You give them your bed. That's how big it is in the Middle East, that they had no place to stay, says a lot, considering that everybody who was in that town probably was his relative. Now he's in Bethlehem, and his wife's about to give birth. He can't even get back to where he had his clientele. His business is now having to be restarted in Bethlehem. My point is this. The brother was broke. He had nothing, very little, if any. And so where do you live when you have nothing? Well, you stay in the barn as long as you can. <laughs> After that, you find a trailer. You live in the projects. You're in the hood trying to rebuild your business when there are already very good carpenters and architects and construction workers there who already have clients. And all of his relatives who are there don't respect him. He has no friends. My point is, when the, when the Magi showed up at the house, there was a huge disconnect. Star. House? The king of the universe lives in the project? I can't. Got to 
be a mistake. Wrong address star. Wrong address star. Oh, wow. Big disconnect. They knock on the door. They say, um, hello. <laughs> and can you imagine Joseph? He's just doing life. And all of a sudden, these three royal human beings show up at his door with 200 folks. And all these camels or, or donkeys loaded with stuff. And Joseph opens the door and goes, They say, um, dude, there's a star above your house. <laughs> Did you know? That's why we're here. We're, there's a star. There's a star. Come, come on out. There's a, let's see. It's above your house. Wow. That's what drew us here. By the way, you got a baby in there? Because we've come to worship him. Yeah. Um. Come on, come on in. And they see baby Jesus. And these three wise men who have leadership and rulership of their own get on their face and they worship. Jesus hadn't done a thing for them yet. He hadn't healed anybody, hadn't said a sermon, hadn't raised anybody from the dead, no miracles. Not a thing. But so often we require God to do the next for us in order for us to, to serve him well. Lord, if you do this, if you, Lord, if, if, you, if you do this, I'll serve you. I really will. Bargaining with God. By the way, when you bargain with somebody, don't you have to have something they want? <laughs> I know what you're trying to do, but you don't have anything he wants. He doesn't lack anything. You're not in a bargaining position. Your position is to surrender, not bargain. These men, rulers in their own right, surrendered to somebody who had done nothing for them just because of who he was. I beg you, surrender this Christmas season to him who is worthy of your worship. And then it says that they brought in all their gifts, their gems, their wealth. I don't know how much it was, but I know it was enough to set Joseph up really nice. See, right after the wise men left, they didn't go back to Jerusalem to tell Herod because they were told in a dream, don't do that. He's a bad guy. So they went on home. Herod, waiting for the wise men to come, got mad. And he, he, he told his army, uh, uh, mount up, because you're going to go to, to Bethlehem, and I want you to kill every child, every male child under the age of two, because that's when the star appeared. And so they're coming. They're coming. And it's going to be a, a horrible night for Bethlehem. Just a horrible night. But God speaks to Joseph. In a dream, it says, get up now. Herod is sending men to kill the child. Get up and run to Egypt. And I'll tell you how long you stay, and then I'll bring you back home. But go now. Got Mary, the baby, 
and all that money. We don't know how much, but we do know that Joseph didn't have a green card for Egypt. You feeling me? Millions of dollars, we believe, he had. And you talk about blessing a man. Joseph had to marry a woman who everybody thought had slept with somebody else. He lost his reputation. All his friends thought he was a fool. His whole family in Bethlehem wouldn't even take him in. He lost his business in Nazareth because he had to move. You talk about a man going through discouragement. Oh, he was privileged to raise a Christ child, but wow, what sacrifice he had to give. And then all of a sudden, these guys show up. And it's hard to, to go to Egypt. I mean, you're on the lam. You're running from the authorities. CIA, everybody's looking for you. FBI, Navy, Navy SEALs, Rangers, everybody's looking for you. You run to Egypt. But while you're in Alexandria, you're lying out on the beach at the Ritz, <laughs> not having to worry about a thing because your God has blessed you. There is no sacrifice that is too great for you to make because your God always supplies. He will back you. You do his will. You might come to the end of your finances where there are nothing but zeros in your account. But if you have done his will, money is on the way. These men came with something. They didn't come empty-handed. When you come to God, I beg you, never come empty-handed. Don't think you are doing him a favor just by showing up. Bring something to give to him. He's worthy of not only your attention, but all you got. Let this Christmas be filled with the conviction that each of us needs to give all that we have to him, our lives, our hearts, our future, our past, and resources that will help establish his kingdom in the earth that provide for his people well. That's our, our, our spiritual service of worship. That is Christianity 101. We're not talking about graduate level. That is 101 Christianity. When we do that, we please him and chart a life for ourselves that is in the best interest of his will and our future. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for what you did by giving us your son.